Sometimes we got it the other way around and wonder what's going on and I'm trying God. No, you surrender and follow Christ and he'll fill in the blanks and support you in doing that and fulfill all your needs according to his riches and glory. So when you begin to do that, the enemy and he hears the word, I'm available and I want to spend more time in his presence than watching Netflix. Don't worry, I have a Netflix account. I'm not saying it's bad. Then the enemy perks his ears up and says, I need to distract you because you are going to do what I don't want done in the earth. You're a light within my comfort of darkness of what I'm doing in the earth. So the spiritual warfare begins. And in that warfare, his best elements that he can use to leverage you are distractions. And we've been talking about four areas that I feel that I am distracted in sometimes. So maybe you're human too. You might have similar distractions. We've talked about identity last week and how it's so crucial as Becca just mentioned too with the kids to know your identity in Christ. Stop asking who and whose I belong to. I belong to God and my identity is secure in that. The enemy wants to use any weaknesses in your life, any insecurities to distract you that you can't do what you committed to. Or you're just full of pride because you've had a lot of success in your life. Or you've got participation awards every game. And the enemy will feed into that and distract you that you are all that and a bag of chips. But it's so certain to know your identity in Christ. And that grows only from receiving his love for you. We know it up here, but do we know it in here? And part of distractions come when we have not taken the Holy Spirit in us to be fortified in a bridge between our spirit and our soul. And we've left our soul on the own to receive these distractions through thoughts, through minds, and our emotions. And then we act on our emotions, sinning in our will, doing things that God doesn't want us to do. This is really a message of freedom. (laughs) Because we can come to a place where we are free from distractions and do what God's called us to do. Amen? The other few that are areas of distractions are people. We're going to talk about that in a second. Situations. And then, believe it or not, religion. I am going to attempt to do this all in 30 minutes. Are you giving me grace? Because I have to end it today and land the plane. Okay? You're with me. Okay, here we go. People, did you notice they're everywhere? <laughs> they are. They're everywhere. But as we're Christ followers, the enemy wants to leverage that people are our enemies when they don't agree with us. People are not the problem. It's perspective that we have towards them. And the enemy leverages that perspective and incubates things of lies and distractions. One of the main appraising things, if you're having trouble with people, is you need to appraise your perspective. And your perspective 
has two ingredients in it. It has your experience of a person or type of person. And then it has your position, excuse me, your proximity. So if I've had bad experiences with certain kind of people, it's easy to say that my life is going to be distracted by whatever I was bent about in the past, right? Without God involved. Or if, I, if I'm, my proximity to people is distant, it gives so much space for distortion. See, God, when he said it is not good for man to be alone, it's not talking about a person filling a space. It was talking about another relationship that they could have through God. So people around you were designed to have relationships with you. I know this is ABC sometimes. We forget, <laughs> right? So if we are not understanding that we need to be relatable to people around us, Satan will run wild telling you what that other person that you don't even know thinks about you. <laughs> or better yet, through sound bites that we live on TV and little mobile devices, what that person thinks about everybody. We don't get to know people. Now, when God said, don't want to be alone, he didn't, all you marriage folks, doesn't mean we all had to get married. To one is own. And the levels of own, alone are by, defined by different seasons in our life. But you need to be around people. That's the baseline. You're going to have to be around people. That's the baseline. And it's so important to know and appraise your perspective, how you view other people around you. Especially devil will work through family out of most. Amen? Uncle Eddie won't shut up. You know? All these little things that distract you. There's uh, the the Academy Award-winning movie, Muppets Take Manhattan. It did not win an award. Muppets Take Manhattan. There's a character in the cafe there. Peter Zovich was the actor, but he's playing this. He had a profound statement to the Muppets. He said, people's is people's. Don't put it any more expected higher than that, right? But there's a place where we can get as Christ followers, and this is not an ignorant or arrogant statement, that people do not define you that are around you because we're called. See, there's a scale that I try and weigh in my life. There's a scale when, it, when working with people or just knowing that I'm around people. There's a scale that is to the left is I can have a Messiah complex, I am called to fix everybody's problems because I know everything. Then way over here, there's the needy scale side. I need people. I, I, I'm not being, I don't want to be mean, but let's be, we're, we're all grown adults. I need people because I've been a victim to everything in life. And I need you to know that you need me. Suck, suck, you know. And then I believe God has called us in the center to understand that our calling to people is to serve them. So if I'm in the center, I'm balanced pretty well. I may go here and there occasionally, but if I stay center, that I am called to serve people. Serving is not weakness. There's a guy 
who came down that went to the cross for you and I that says, I did not come to be served, but to serve you. There's power in that, in the humility. We're not eating dessert today. <laughs> Here's some key scriptures. Let's go to John thirteen thirty four through 35. Many of us know this, but do we know that? This is, he, he's at his last supper. We're going to do communion later. So he's, he's, he wants to maximize his time with his disciples. And the last thing he says, one of the last things, so I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Keep going. Your love for one another will prove to the church, to the world, that you are my disciples. Pretty much it right there. Jesus said earlier on, can we go to Matthew 5, 24? So Jesus was so concerned, and we're going to get into religion, I think, if we have time, but that it's so important that other people should be valued in your life, that it even, even might be more important than a religious ritual. We're about to find out. See, when we are unbalanced in that scale, you know what I said, Messiah complex, I'm fixing everybody, I'm weak, I need everybody, of no, I'm going to serve everybody. When we're to the left and to the right, these, some, some attributes begin to form. One is we, became, we become a great accuser of others. Right? You're holding the apple that you just picked off the tree in Eden. Because who else is called a great accuser? Satan. He'd love you to do that. Just walk around accusing everybody of what they're doing wrong. And then let's throw some judgment at the end because I got a gavel in my hand. Right? Another thing that can happen when you're unbalanced is you begin to label everybody. The world does that. I really want to stay away from that. Amen. And then another thing that can happen is you can begin to gossip, whisper in other ears. Hey, did you see Sister Susie, what she did? Oh, my gosh. Gossip. These are all distractions. (laughs) Every one of them. And then these can get rooted so hard, it can get into unforgiveness when things actually hurt you. Because you will be hurt by people, right? I won't have a show of hands, right? Who's been hurt by people? But you will. So here's Jesus telling his disciples about a relation with people. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. What? Leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that other person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. This is not saying you need to clean up before you walk into church. What he is saying is you've had rooted things that are more important than your ritual that you're about to do of a sacrifice. 
So if Jesus thought it was important to be right with folks around us, there's really no high altar altar than that, right? Paul gets into it a lot with the church letters. You mean churches, they were fighting with each other? No. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Paul said, guys, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, he has a solution. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Sometimes there's moments where I feel I want to be angry at somebody else. And I'm brought back to the cross because there's just enough space for them as the one I've had when I was kneeling in front of it. But these are all distractions. Satan hates unity. This is the long thing. He doesn't want anybody to get along and do things right. There are over 150 times the word neighbor is in the Bible. That must be a little important. may not mean the proximity of the one to the left or the right or the front of you, but who's at your work? Over and over, loving thy neighbor, serving your neighbor, thinking of them first. These aren't easy things. But this is the road to freedom. It really is. I, I've been with, and I used to be this. I would used to get mad at somebody cutting me off at the highway, and I would marinate that in for an hour or two after that happened. Talk about distracted. That idiot. What is he doing or she doing? Oh, my way into war. It was just blah, 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 blah. That is a distraction. Massive distraction, especially if I'm spewing that out at somebody I should be sharing my faith with. (laughs) What do they think about you? Satan loves that. And what if you run into that person that cuts you off someday? You never know. We can kind of become like broadcasters in a sports booth. Not in the game, but have a lot to say. Did you see that? Did you see that on the news? Blah, 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 blah. People, 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 people. We are called to love God, you've heard this, and love people. Not saying there's not tough love, especially with family. Amen. There is tough love. But there was a song, I think it was somebody, you 2 or something, Can we just understand ordinary love? (laughs) Let's get to first base. (laughs) Can we just understand what God designed in love and kindness? This is leading to freedom. So how do I not get entangled in people? And again, people are not the problem. Your perspective is. All these things we're talking about, they aren't the problem. It's the persuasion the enemy leads us to to think they are the problem. And distract us from what God's calling us to do. How? In your prayer time, which should be every day, but not just in the morning, I hope. Lord, let me see people the way you see them. 
I want your lenses. Trust me with your lenses so I can show caring, kindness, and love. Lord, if I've been hurt, forgive them and forgive me. The enemy likes covering this up, but it's true. Hurting people hurt people. So if you're hurting, don't get comfortable in that. It's real. But there's a lot of collateral damage that can happen out of that. And God wants you free and to heal from that. But hurting people, that's what half of our culture is. Hurting people are just hurting people. Everybody's standing to their ground, making their own little islands and moguls. You know, I'm always reminded too, back to the cross. You know, John three sixteen. we know it. For God so loved the world. Last time I checked, we're all in it, right? The enemy doesn't want you as a Christ follower to understand the true value of time and the people that are in that around you. Does that make sense? Time is important. God doesn't, doesn't need time, but we do right now. Value your time and the people in it. I've been to a few funerals lately, and I know you guys have too. Kind of begins sobering. It's not sad. It's just sobering. It is sad, a loss, but we need to realize that we're only here for a short period of time. And all these distractions, are they worth it with people? All right, we're moving around. Situations. Situations are not the distraction, and they are real. But there is a, there's a culminating distraction that creates a pressure in that situation that causes us to go off the deep end sometimes. Let me give an example. I had, uh, it was about two years ago, went to the doctor, normal physical checkup, and I said, hey, you know, I'm really in a pain under my rib here. And he says, boy, you must lift out. I said, no, I don't lift. That's all right. I don't exercise. But thanks for, no, I'm just kidding. So I got a pain under my rib. And he says, and, and he's, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, which is always wishy-washy with a doctor. I was like, eh, don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Am I got to die? What's going on here? He's like, I need you to get checked out right away. I'm like, okay. And he gave me a list of different things. Only problem is I couldn't get checked out for another three weeks to get an MRI, CAT scan, whatever they did with me. So I have that brewing time. I have a situation, and I have a lot of what-ifs coming down the pike. We talked about that last week. And I started filling in the blank and created pressure. I manufactured it. Satan just lobbed a volley for serve. I manufactured pressure in my life, but now I was mainly distracted for three weeks. Honey, did we get our will done? I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, I was distracted, just, but I wasn't even focused on important things sometimes. Turns out three weeks later, they looked left and right, everywhere up and down. I mean, I prayed through that process, speaking in the name of Jesus over that. I am healthy in Jesus' name. You've created me with perfect will in my body and my design. My organs spoke that when I wasn't distracted, but I was. And then they found that they couldn't find anything, and all that's gone away. So it's like those are, those are situations that cause pressures. We get situations of financial situations, right? We have to pay bills. 
that unexpected thing in the mail, it's real. You have to pay it, most likely. But how you react and Satan feeding you and lobbying you some ideas of what that could mean, and this always happens to me just when I think I'm getting ahead. You're in these distractions. Say, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I, I seek your will in my life. It is what it is. Come what may. You are in control, right? Can I knock on your front door a little bit more? So here's some other things that are situations that cause, that you manufacture pressures. You could be, uh, I could come to one of you right now and hand you the mic. Yeah. Some of you that don't want to speak in front of somebody, you're going to have an instant pressure. Don't worry, I'm not doing it. Um, you'll have an instant pressure like, what am I going to say? Because I had those two at one point. Trust God in every situation. Another one is, and this is rampant in church, temptations. Those are situations. Whether it's sexual temptation, it's all getting quiet now. Sexual temptation, uh, you're a recovering alcoholic, it's drinking temptation. A worry wart, it's I need something to worry about, about temptation. All these temptations, you're manufacturing this stress and pressure in your life. When God wants you free from that, they're distractions. They're distractions, and you don't have to live with it. The problem is, if we become so distracted in every situation that comes down our pike, we become paralyzed to do anything. Certainly, God's will is in the back seat. You know, I don't have time to do that. Look, God, look what's going on. Trusting God in those situations. I had to shut my mouth up, and this is just a year ago. I used to say when some things were happening, I said, boy, when it rains, it pours. Shut up. (laughs) But I was manufacturing some pressure there. You don't want to do that. We learned earlier our mouth is such a powerful tool, and we could go through many scriptures on that. You need to be careful. So here's a few other things. So um, especially when I became a lead pastor too, you know, we talked a little bit about some of that last week. I'm being honest with you. I didn't come to say, woo, I get a new desk. I hold the mic. All these things that can come into somebody who gets promoted, whatever you want to call it. But I had to come in the situation right away that I was more creating a pressure, which you need it for a little bit, that I'm standing in front of your people now. Oof. So if I'm standing in front of your people, I need transparency. I need clear leadership, and I need to speak the truth. So 
God had to take that pressure and say, listen, you're creating that pressure. You are accountable, but only if you're leaning on me will it happen right. So release that pressure, release that distraction. Know you are in front of my people, but if you're doing it through me, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. And there's a scripture to that too. There was Joshua in Deuteronomy 3, uh, 8. We know it well. Moses is retiring. And Joshua has to continue to lead the people into Israel. And I've held on to these scriptures. And Joseph, Joshua had to have the, had to have the <laughs> pressure manufacturing as well too. He said, do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and King, in Matthew 6, 25, 34. I'm going to go quick through these. He's talking to his disciples about situations. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or even clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than, uh, I don't want to say. Look at the birds, and we've heard this before. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? That's as far as I'll go in that. He's saying don't worry about tomorrow and everyday life. Keep your focus on me. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. A very powerful scripture is uh, in Philippians. When people are manufacturing pressure and anxiety and worry comes on. Paul was very clear to this church. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not some things, all things. All all means yes. So how do I apply more and avoid these pitfalls of distractions of creating these pressures within situations? You really need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Again, we talked about that bridge between your spirit and your soul. If he's on that bridge... He can help you and guide you and comfort you. And in situations that seem unthinkable to get out of, the Holy Spirit can lead your path to provide God's masterful plan to get you out. Testimony after testimony that we would all have in this room, that when situations came and we didn't get stressed out, but we leaned on Him and we listened to the Holy Spirit, miracles happened. Miracles happened. But you need to pray also this scripture too. Lord, I know your ways are higher than my ways. (laughs) Your thoughts are even greater than mine. But surrender anything that comes my way today to your will and plan in my life. And those pressures and those things will not see so obvious. Wow, we're moving along. Religion. We're not getting out on time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Religion. It's, I'm going to go. I don't have everything here, but my thought, again, 
and studying a little bit is the definition when you boil down to it in its origin and its form because it's been the word has been thrown around like grenades everywhere and just uh, redefined as many other things but it's basically religion is a belief and commitment into a higher power than myself that's it obviously god but what has happened over the years even in Jesus's day is Satan's help people institutionalize religion. So in Jesus' day, you had the Pharisees. They looked pretty and handsome and had it all together, but they were going one way, going on a one-way street. They didn't have anything together. And then that that institutional religion has come through other religions through the time and time and time. And it's not really the institutional religion is a divider of denominations, it is, but it's also a divider of attitudes that come out of it. What do I mean? Institution religion versus relationships with God, relation with God. That's the only thing that can be against. Institution versus relational. Because institution has sucked the ideas that it's relational to a God. Really. It's more emotional, rituals, things like that. Um, the lightning's not coming down. It's, it's, all, it's all ritualistic more than anything. And then it becomes, it's grown into an area that, that institutionalized religion is more about do's and don'ts. In the Garden of Eden, we heard only one don't. You see, if we're relational with our Heavenly Father... He doesn't have to give us a lot of do's because it's a heart issue of what we want to do. He needed to say the don't because, guys, that tree looks a little similar to you. You just need to obey me. But religion is so focused on do's and don'ts. It's no time for relational with our father. We even get to a point in institutional religion that it's more about honor don't lo- I don't want to lose you. Then versus transparency. And what that means is it's more about what you're doing in, in, in institutional religion than who you're becoming. These are subtle things. And if you were grown up in institutional religion, it's hard. Because you have to be burned out of some of these things. That, Wait a minute. God just loves me. And it's not that simple. We have to obey him. But it, there's not all these obstacles. This is the problem, too. In institutional religion, we've worked harder to keep people out than coming in, than being in and being in here. That makes sense. I heard this phrase once, uh, and my dad had reminded me it too, Pastor John, recently too. Not on this topic, but it just came to my head. Is there was one speaker that says, "What makes you weep and pound the table at night?" He's a Christian speaker, pastor, and he says. <laughs> that religion has gotten mad when a blind man has stepped on their toe. Paul in Galatians is reminding that church that you are not governed under the law of Moses and all the dues. Those are important in their times. 
but it's under the blood and the finished work of the cross. Let's read that. Galatians 2.16. Make sure I'm not speaking heresy here. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, dues. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we may be made right with God. So believing in Jesus Christ is making the progression here. Because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. This is Paul. This is Paul. The church was starting to get back into its pharisaical rituals. Said, wait, remember Christ, what he did for you. That you are made right standing. Doesn't mean we need to we need to throw accountability out the window. If you think I'm saying that, you're not listening. But we've made it accountable to a ritual in a church rather than Jesus Christ our Lord. But these things can seep in. If we've been brought up in, in, in organized ritual and in, in, in in these type of religions. The other thing with religion is it can really push you. I got two more things, I think. Organized, what was I calling this thing again? <laughs> Institutionalized religion, sorry. We'll call it an IR for right now, not AI, IR. Another thing that can happen is your faith and your Christianity is based on how much you know by the books you read. That's true. You need to read the word of God and have God work in you. But there can be a formality that religion can bring to say it's more educational than transformative. And we need to be very careful because you know what that leads to next. That we begin, and we may have been victim of this too. I'm going to, boy, am I welcome back next week? You may... This may get to even where churches, we're not even talking about mm, the sea religions and all those and Catholics and um, this comes with word of faith too. We may have anchored more in making sure you are more aware of the promises of God than who he is. That will lead people in a gutter down the road. I thought I had enough faith. We need the promises, but it'll come when you finally know who God is and who he is to you and surrendering him and giving everything you in. So if I keep saying you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you are. But let's focus on who the healer is first. Let's get through that because everything else will be distractions that will pull you off course for attaining what you believe God wants to do in your life. And we've I'm sure we've, they become more bless me clubs then how about do the work of the ministry club and follow Christ? And then all these things will be added to you when you're following him. Don't come in. I can come back tomorrow. Don't come in here because you need something from God. Come in because you want to surrender to him. 
He designed you. He loves you. He knows what you need. He knows what he's, we just don't surrender everything to him. And then we get mad why things aren't working out sometimes. And Satan's distracted us that that redefines the whole gospel all at once. No. And people walk away from the church. So we need to be careful with that. So how can I get these religious things out of me that may not be of God? These do's more than they don't and all these things and things like that. Well, first of all, don't get mad if I don't wear a suit coat today. Those are idols. Need to be presentable. I'm not throwing accountability out the window. But we've made idols of things. Wear what you want, respectfully. Don't come in and I would read, this is the Lord's house. <laughs> Don't come in flip flops and a beach ball, but but he's more concerned with your heart and where you're what you're becoming more than what you're doing, like I said. But pray, Lord, fill in me your spirit of what you want to do with me. Get me out of the way sometimes. So I can learn and fully grow in you. Lord, make sure I'm growing when I'm in a church community. I had one person come to me recently, and it was specific. I'm coming back next week. It was specified uh, to Faith Christian Center, but, but disclaimers as to any good, healthy church that is leading people to follow Christ. And the person says, can I make a shirt that says you're either going or growing? you get that? Some of you might have been offended by that. You're either, whatever church you're in, you're either going or growing. You're here to grow. Entertainment, there's plenty of ch- TV channels. And, I, and I'm not, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I, I understand. But we need to be reminded that it, you should look back a year from now and not be the same place you were. Now, you may have situations, distractions, and things between now and then. But God will cover you and carry you through that. And grow you to discover more of who he is to you and who you are. And who you are. So, wrapping this up. I hope you understand that distractions will come. If you've committed to following Christ. Distractions are going to come. And when they come... Don't let them become building material to build strongholds in your life. We talked about building these strongholds with that material so I can be protected from whatever this distraction is and it will begin to start defining me. So if I have identity crisis, I'm starting to say I am not all that God is calling me to be and here's my stronghold where I'll begin to defending that. But the great thing is through the work of the cross is you are free from all of that. And I want to end on this scripture, whether it's identity, people, which is just your perspective, whether it's situations, again, the pressures we make, or whether it is religion and distractions in all these areas from pulling you off from what God's calling you to be and who you are in Christ. Paul goes in Ephesians 6.10 through 18. I wanted to save this best for last. Because if you do this every day... 
or at least weekly. I know I said do, but don't. You, you need to digest this. It needs to be becoming a you, part of you. If you do this, the distractions will not affect you as much as they have been, and they won't come into being a stronghold. So Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus, and he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firmly against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting, and we've been hearing this with this other scripture, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen places, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece. Not if it's hot outside, don't put your helmet of salvation on. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will stand by standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Just be careful. Sometimes Christians in religion think, Because we're carriers of truth, we created the truth, and we defend it too much. All right, continue. Truth in the body of the armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on, the salva- put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray. Okay, so you got everything on. That's not everything. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. That seems pretty much all the time. Paul said in the earlier verses, in everything pray. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. If you cover yourself in this, you will not have distractions over time. You will have them, but they won't bring strongholds in your life. Amen? Well, let's stand. We're going to take communion now. And I wanted to do communion today because I believe when we begin to honor and remember what Jesus did for us, the second part is receiving the new covenant. But I want you specifically when we get to that new covenant, if you have any strongholds in your life, I know we identified it earlier too in worship, but make sure you're, as you're, consecrating in this communion, consecrate God's love over that stronghold. Okay? So think about that when we do that. So does anybody have, does anybody need elements?
Vou ler, vou ler. Can you um, put that? Oh, you got a video. That's all right. I'll read it. So during the Last Supper, Christ was with his disciples and he broke bread. And he said, Take this. Bread, wafer. And while you digest it, remember what I did for you. Being From being even born into a manger to growing up to doing his Father's will to going to a cross for you and I. The blood that had to be shed so we would be redeemed. powerful it's our salvation do this in remembrance of me take this bread thing and then he took the cup said this is my blood that was shed for you which allows you to be in a new covenant as a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ. But that new covenant isn't just resting in salvation. That was great, and that's our destination. But in this blood, we have victory in our life. Health in our bodies, peace in our minds, and above all, Freedom from strongholds in my life. Said, take this blood and wine. Drink it as you do. Remember your new covenant. Drink it. Heavenly Father, we owe you everything. Lord, through your Son, And what was done on that cross. We have new eternal life in you. Lord, we want to serve you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let our life reign in peace. And give us grace when battles come through. Lord, we speak to strongholds. They are not of you. And you did not build them. And just like the walls of Jericho, they need to come down. And in Jesus' name, we speak to anything that is a stronghold in my life. Lord, let your love permeate me where it begins to overflow towards others that don't know the work of the cross and salvation and victory. Let us be that salt and the light 
salt and light in these darkest hours, Lord, because we carry peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I trust you got something out of this series and begin to walk in it. Thank you so much, worship team. Oh, one thing, sorry, man. Can we have a few able bodies after service just stand in the corner?